Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And they come over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And, <coughs> and when he was come out of the, of the ship, immediately there met, met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwellings among the tombs, and no man could bind him. No, not with chains, because he that had been ten bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains, in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Good evening and welcome to our... Sunday night worship service. We are few in number tonight. I don't know if uh, the ball game, the Memphis ball game, has uh, attracted some, but nonetheless, we will press on. I don't know if it was the ball game or Easter or what, but we have taken a nosedive tonight, but we will do our best to worship God and enjoy the fellowship that we have with one another. We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 5, the passage that Isaiah read just a moment ago. And in this context, we find Jesus as he cast demons out of a man. And in verse 19, Jesus makes an interesting statement to this individual. He said, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. When I think about Christianity, two things come to mind. First of all, we are to be able to defend our faith, to defend what we believe. And certainly that's based on 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, when Peter said that we are to sanctify the Lord God in our hearts always And we are to be ready to give an answer or a defense to every man that asks us of the hope that is in us with meekness and fear. And so there is our defensive posture that is set forth in scriptures. But then there is also the idea of being offensive. That is, we go out and we initiate the conversation. We're the ones that initiate dialogue between our friends and family members regarding what the Bible teaches about the Lord himself. Tonight in Mark chapter 5, we find Jesus instructing this man to go home and to tell his friends all of the great things the Lord had done for him. If someone were to ask you tonight what you believe and why you believe it, what would you say? I would hope that each of us are well equipped to tell others what the Bible has to say concerning our faith. On the other hand, in light of all that God has done for you through Christ Jesus... Is it not the case that you and I should be ready and able 
to tell others what the Lord has done for us. In light of all of the abundant blessings that he has so richly bestowed on us, does it not stand to reason that we go on the offense and that we take the gospel to those about us? So tonight I want us to think for just a few moments about the theme, what will you tell your friends? Let's just imagine for a moment that a friend or a family member gives you 25 or 30 minutes and basically says, I want you to give me your best shot in terms of what you believe. In light of all that God has done for you, I want you to give me your very best shot at why I should become a Christian, at why I should become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to first of all, Examine the text. And after we've made an examination of the text, then we want to make application and take note of the theme, what will you tell your friends? The first thing that we note in chapter 5 is this demonic man. And in looking to the life of this individual, it's one that I believe should arouse pity. But in verse 1, Mark records, then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. The chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. But he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. And he asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. And all the demons begged him saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine There were about 2,000, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So we think about this demonic man whose situation is one that arouses pity in our minds. But according to Mark, Jesus delivers him from this unclean spirit. Picking up in verse 14, we read of the disbelief of the people. Now those who fed the swine fled, and they told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him, who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. 
And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. Verse 19, we have the demand that is imposed on this man by Jesus. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And verse 20, his departure. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him, and all marveled. When we talk about Jesus and his power, that is, his miraculous power, we understand that he demonstrated his divine power in a number of ways over nature, over sickness, illness, disease, death. And here we find Jesus demonstrating his great power over the demonic world. But I believe that there is some application here for us by way of the events that have been recorded. And so in light of our theme, the question being, what will you tell your friends? I want us to think for just a few moments about what Jesus has said here in verse 19 when he instructed this individual to go home to his friends and tell them what great things the Lord had done for him and how he had had compassion on him. What is it that you and I can tell our friends and family members? As you and I step back and think about the abundance of blessings that we enjoy in Christ Jesus, if we were to enumerate those blessings, where would we begin? What would we say to someone? I believe that the first place that we would start would be with forgiveness. Forgiveness is an age-old need on the part of the human family. We go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. We read of the fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden. Death entered the human family, both physical and spiritual death. And because of spiritual death, you and I, we have to wrestle with sin and unrighteousness. Sin has been defined as the transgression of the law in 1 John 5 at verse 3. Paul tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This past week in USA Today, there was an article about this very subject, sin. Well, the Bible tells us that all have sinned, all have come short of the glory of God, Romans 3, verse 23. And because of that fact, all of us stand in need of forgiveness. There is no one on planet earth who has reached the age of accountability that does not stand in need of divine pardon, who does not need forgiveness. And yet throughout the Bible, one of the things that we read about over and over again is this idea of forgiveness. Was it not Jesus during his earthly ministry that said, as recorded by Mark in chapter 2, that the Son of Man had power on earth to forgive sins? Forgiveness is a very real need among those in the human family. There may be many people in our world today, they do not know that they need forgiveness. As hard as it may be for us to believe, those of us who live in the Bible Belt, there are many individuals in our world today that look at sin as something that is archaic, old-fashioned. It's something that is referred to in a book called the Bible. 
But the Bible to them is simply a book of literature or fiction. It's not real. It's not inspired of God. But we know that the Bible is inspired of God. And that the Bible outlines to us the problem that the human family has with sin and unrighteousness. And so you and I, we can offer the world forgiveness of sin through Jesus Christ. When Jesus gave the Great Commission in Mark 16, verse 15, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The gospel is the good news. And so in verse 16, he said, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. So one of the things that we can tell our friends and our family members about is this idea of forgiveness. But there's another thing that we can tell our friends and family members about, and that is freedom. You and I enjoy freedom in Christ Jesus. Take, for example, this man that we read about in Mark chapter 5. Look again at verse 4. The Bible says, speaking of this man that was possessed by demons, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, And the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. One of the things that the gospel of Christ does for us is that it liberates us from sin, from the shame of sin. Drop down to verse 15. After having been delivered by Jesus from these unclean spirits, the Bible says... Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Here was a man that had been in bondage. He had been in bondage to demons, and now he is free. That's one of the things that you and I can tell our friends and neighbors about. That while sin enslaves the gospel and Christ Jesus liberate. They provide us with freedom. And not just freedom from sin and the shame associated with sin, but also freedom from the past. There are some individuals in our world today, they look back upon their past and they see a past that has been marred by failures, a past that has been marred by sorrows, A past that has been marred by mistakes. And yet through the gospel of Christ, through our obedience to the will of God, we can literally put the past behind us. This morning we talked about the Apostle Paul. And in Philippians chapter 3, when Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, he spoke of how we forget those things in the past and reach forward to those things which are in the future. All of us have the opportunity to enjoy freedom in Christ Jesus. And we can literally put the past behind us, whatever that past may be. There are a lot of people in our world today that will talk about how they have skeletons in their closet. Some are fearful that those skeletons might be exposed. Well, the beauty of Christianity, the beauty of being a child of God is that you can be freed from those skeletons. You can be liberated 
from whatever is in your past, no matter what it's been. Because in Christ Jesus, we enjoy freedom and freedom indeed. Jesus said in John 8 verse 32, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. How grateful we should be for the freedom that we enjoy in Christ. Now I said that we enjoy freedom from a number, number of things. But let me also inject this. I said just a moment ago that one of the things that we can be freed from is failure. Life is sometimes about success and failure. And many of us have failed on a number of occasions. There are times in life when we give our absolute best and yet we still fail. And one of the things about the Bible is the Bible encourages us to keep on trying. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, John said, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of his Son, Jesus Christ, cleanses us from all sin. We may stumble, we may fall, but we are encouraged to get up, dust ourselves off, ask God to forgive us, and move on. Now, failure can come in any number of areas in life. We think about spiritual failures, physical failures. We talk about failures on the job, in the classroom. Failure is a part of human life, but we can learn from failure. James said, count it all joy when you fall into manifold trials, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. One of the byproducts to trials and tribulations, yes, failures in life, is patience. We learn to trust and depend on Jehovah God, come what may. And I think about those times of failure in life. To whom do we turn? We may turn to a friend or a family member. We may turn to a confidant. But ultimately, as a child of God, we can turn to the Lord. Because you see... He is the one who truly cares about us. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Sometimes in life when we fail, our friends, our family members, our neighbors, they may not quite understand all that we're experiencing. I'm reminded of how, if you have an animal, if you have a dog, Maybe you've had a tough day, and you go home in the evening, and maybe you failed on the job, or maybe you failed in the classroom, but when you go home and you see that dog, guess what? That dog doesn't know you failed. That dog's just as happy to see you in the evening as he was in the morning. A lot of times, on many occasions, when you go home, that dog will jump up in your lap. Maybe a cat jump up in your lap. Why? Because they love you, because... They're like family to you. Spiritually speaking, whatever we face in life, whether it is joy or sadness, whether it be great things or bad things, whatever, the Lord will always be there for us. We may come in in the evening and feel as if no one cares, but the Bible says the Lord cares for us. Let me also suggest that when we talk to our friends and our family members, our neighbors, that we can tell them that Christianity 
that serving the Lord Jesus Christ has brought fullness to our life. The Bible says in Ephesians 1 verse 22 that Jesus Christ is the fullness of him who fills all in all. There are a lot of people in our world today, there are a lot of people in Olive Branch in DeSoto County, They're living on planet earth and they're going through the motions of life, but they're not happy. If you were to ask them, is your life full? Is it complete? Are you satisfied? Are you content? You know what their answer would be? No. No, they're not content. They're not living a life of fullness or completeness. They're not satisfied. They're not content. And yet we read in the book of Philippians chapter 4, where Paul said, I've learned in whatsoever state I am in, therein to be content. Our contentment comes by being a Christian. Because you see, those of us who are in Christ, the circumstances of this world may change and fluctuate. We talk about the ebb and tide of life. Well, Life has its ups and downs, its highs and lows. But those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we are at peace because we know him who has the peace that passes all understanding. We know, as Isaiah said, the prince of peace. When you think about fullness in life, When you contemplate enjoying a full and complete life here on earth, I would submit unto you it's not going to be found in money. It's not going to be found in materialism. It's not going to be found in pleasure. It's not going to be found in any number of areas that people look to today. But it can be found in the Lord. Solomon was one of the greatest individuals to ever live on this earth. And Solomon literally tried everything that this earth had to offer. And you can read the book of Ecclesiastes and stand in awe at all of the things that he experienced in this life. And Solomon, when he brought it all to a close, said, this is the summation of what life is all about. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. As you and I think about this full life, it's because we have faith in the Lord. You ever wondered what it would be like to live without faith? You know, there are a lot of people in the world today, they have no faith. They will tell you that their life is one of faithlessness. They're unbelievers. And how sad that is. Because you see, they're looking... To the secular world to fill a void that cannot be filled. There is a void or a vacuum in within each of us that can only be filled by God. And that's why Solomon said, fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole, the whole sphere of our existence is to fear him, to reverence him, because ultimately one day he's going to bring everything that we do into judgment, whether it be good or whether it be evil, according to Ecclesiastes 12 at verse 14. When you talk to your friends and neighbors, 
When they look at your life, do they see you as someone who is satisfied, who is joyful, who is happy, who is confident? Do they see someone who is living a full and a rich life? You see, I think as a Christian, that's what we need to convey to those about us. When they see us, wherever it may be, whether it be in the classroom, on the job, at certain functions, out in the community, wherever it may be, we want individuals to see us and to say, whatever they have, that's what we want. In our Bible class this morning, I talked about how one of the jobs of those of us who are Christians is to serve as a catalyst so that others will want what we have, that is, to become a Christian. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. In Matthew 5, 13, in verse 14, he said, you are the light of the world. Now, we know that salt can be used as a leavening agent. And we are to be a leavening agent, an influence for good in this world. But salt creates thirst. Wouldn't it be great if every person who is a Christian was creating thirst among those with whom we come into contact on a daily basis. Maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's somebody in the classroom, whomever it may be, but we are creating that kind of thirst in them so that when they see us, they say, you know what, they have a full life. Every time I see them, they walk with an air of confidence. There's just something about them that I want. Now we can do that. It's because we have a full life. It's because our faith is grounded in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me also suggest that we can tell our friends and our family members that serving the Lord Jesus Christ brings everything into focus. Now, many of us, we wear glasses. I wear contact lens. And I really need reading glasses badly. I wear them, but probably need to wear them more often than not. But nonetheless, if I, if I didn't have my contact lens in, I couldn't see anything. Everything would be blurred and distorted. You know, those who are outside of Christ, they really don't see what life is all about. To some extent, this goes back to Ecclesiastes 12, verses 13 and 14, where we're to fear God and keep his commandments. But when you and I talk about Christianity and what the Lord has done for us, is it not the case that Christianity has brought focus to your life? Take, for example, your family. Now, I like to think about the family as a unit. You have a mother, a father, a husband, or wife. In many instances, you have children and grandchildren. But imagine, if you can, having a family. And that family does not know the Lord. It would be somewhat like a ship without a rudder. If I'm going to sail on the high seas, I want to make sure that I've got a rudder. I want to make sure that I can guide that ship to port. Well, those of us that belong to the Lord, we can tell our friends and our family members, let me tell you something. Christianity has brought focus to our lives. It's brought, it's brought focus to our marriage. 
Jesus said, what therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Are there going to be highs and lows in marriage? You better believe it. Are there going to be times in which as a couple you experience difficulties? Well, of course. Why? Because you're human. Are there going to be disagreements? Yes. But the difference is, as a Christian, you made a commitment. Before Jehovah God, you pledged yourself to that mate forever. Till death do you part. And so it brought focus to your marriage. And during those highs and lows... During those low points, you look to the Lord. During the high points, you keep looking to the Lord. And guess what? He'll settle the storms of your life. But then also with regard to your children. I look around at young people today, and it's amazing to me some of the things that are going on. When I was in school, we had problems just like any school. I went to a public school. But the kind of problems that we had are not the kind of problems that people are experiencing in schools today. We got in trouble. But the reason we got in trouble was because we would talk in the hallway. Or we would be talking in class. Or we might say something that we shouldn't say. There were times when I was going to school that people might get in trouble for chewing gum. Well, it really sounds like a terrible problem, doesn't it? But I mean, these were problems that, that teachers and administrators had to deal with when I was in school. Breaking line. Well, that sounds like a terrible problem, doesn't it? That's not the case today. You've got children growing up in environments today where they have a mother or father that doesn't care about them. In many cases... You have children growing up without a mother or without a father. Some do not even know who their parents are. Children are being reared in homes without discipline, without direction, without any kind of guidance. And so what do we see in our schools today? Violent behavior. We ever have fights? When I was going to school, you better believe it. I had my share of them. But you know what? It was just a little scuffling. And the teacher corrected that pretty quickly with what was called the Board of Education. But today when people talk about fighting, they're not talking about just scuffling. They're, they're using handguns. They're using knives. They're making threats. Drugs abound. All of these are problematic in our society today. And yet as a Christian, as a child of God, we as a parent can train our children. We can rear our children with a respect for discipline, with a respect for authoritative figures. We can rear them in the Lord. Paul said that we are to bring up our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. So as a Christian, when you talk to your friends and neighbors, you can tell them, listen, here's what the Lord has done for me. He has brought my life into focus. 
There's meaning to my life. I know what I'm supposed to do as a husband or wife, as a mother or father. I know what I am to do in the home. I know how our home is to be regulated. Was it not the psalmist who said in the long ago, except the Lord build the house, they that labor, labor in vain. If you want a firm foundation for your home, build it on the Lord. Finally, I would suggest unto you that when we talk to our friends and family members, that we can tell them that we live with a future before us. I read not long ago about a very famous actor in Hollywood. And apparently from the article, he is either an atheist or an agnostic. And this particular individual is about 70, 71 years of age now. And he said, you know, I can see how Christianity or I can see how being a believer would offer some hope, some comfort. Here is an individual in the sunset years of his life. And if the Lord delays his coming, he will one day step out onto the plains of eternity. And he will do so as an unbeliever. And I would imagine that there is a sense of fear that accompanies those who are living as atheists or agnostics. Because to them, there is nothing else. To them, there is nothing beyond this physical realm that is seen with human eyes. The Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. I believe there is a God because of creation. I believe there is a God because of revelation. There are many reasons why you and I might believe in God, but imagine living without any kind of hope for the future. But you and I, we have hope for the future. As Jesus was winding down his earthly ministry in John 14, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You know, one of the things that you and I have to look forward to as a Christian is we have a future. That is, we have a home before us in heaven. As Paul said, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me in that day. 2 Timothy 4 at verse 8. Jesus said to this man, go home, tell your friends what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. All of us, we have so much to be grateful for. There are so many things that you and I have to be thankful for to Jehovah God. But I believe that we, like this man, can tell others what great things the Lord has done for us, how he's had compassion on us. In closing, I want to look at verse 20 just very quickly. Mark said in verse 20, following the instructions given by our Lord. He departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. 
You and I have the greatest message known to mankind, the gospel of Christ. What is it that the church of Christ has to offer people in this community? What do we have to offer our friends and neighbors? The truth of God. The truth that sets people free. You and I, we have the saving message of the gospel. And we could see individuals change their lives for the better. Through this book. Through our encouragement. Through our influence. The question is, will we use our influence for good? I want to ask you tonight, what will you tell your friends? What will you tell your family members? Maybe a better question, what have you told your friends? What have you told your family members? You and I, we have some great things to share. And I believe as a body of believers right here in this community... We look around in DeSoto County, and this county is bustling, and it will continue to bustle. In my mind, the fields are white to harvest. All we have to do is share the message. My encouragement to you, let's take the gospel to this community. Let's tell people what great things the Lord has done for us. If you're here tonight, you're not a Christian Would you consider obeying the gospel this very hour? The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3, 16. What would you need to do to become a Christian? Peter said on Pentecost Day, Repent. Repentance, of course, preceded by belief in Christ. And be baptized into Christ. So we have to believe. That's right. We have to repent. That's correct. Then we confess the name of Christ, Acts 8, 37, baptized into Christ for the remission of sins. Then we are added to the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. The Bible says that Christ is the Savior of the body, Ephesians 5, verse 23. If you're here tonight, you're unfaithful to his cause, would you come home? Would you let us pray with you and for you and God will abundantly pardon? Why not come as we stand and sing?